Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This was outtake episode from my once a month appearance on Hobby Hotline. Really enjoyed that. It was on with Rich and John Newman. We uh, batted some things around. We went on for an hour and a half. And so uh, it's supposed to be an hour show, went a little bit longer. So thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huxton Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Here's the excerpts of the conversation. As always, I recommend you just listen to Hobby Hotline live. I'm only on once a month. It's good every episode. It's also on during the week. One evening show that they've added, again, and expanded the uh, host roster. So been a lot of fun being on with different people. But here's 12 minutes of uh, Hobby Hotline for your listening pleasure. And thanks, everybody. We were actually in Torah study via Zoom on one of my favorite parshas of the Torah about Jacob, i.e. Israel, and his dream and his wrestling with himself, which is a fascinating parsha. Wrestling with yourself or wrestling with an angel, yeah. that's The angel weighed the exact same as he did. He was the same height. That's what well, makes it such an interesting thing. Is he wrestling with the angel or with himself? All night long, and he came out with a limp. Yes. <laughs> That's what Israel means, is struggle with God. Yeah. All right. The bullpen, L.A., the store manager was uh, accosted as he was leaving, uh, zip-tied, and the store was uh, robbed. Thankfully, no people uh, were hurt. Just merchandise was taken quite a bit. And the final tally is in on that, and it's up to a million dollars. Any robbery is bad. But if you were to open a store now, what measures would you put in place? First of all, I'm happy nobody was hurt, and I'm happy that store was insured. Okay. On the bad side, insurance premiums just went up for card stores, and everybody probably should have a safe for their valuable stuff, but I don't know that you could have a safe big enough for a million dollars worth of stuff. Our store had glass frontage, so we, you could lock the door, but they could just throw a brick through, through the window and they couldn't be in and out in a few minutes with a million dollars worth of stuff. I'm sure we didn't have a million dollars worth of stuff, but the, the thieves have to know where to go quickly to bash and grab. And silver lining that LCSs are going to take better precautions because it's happening too much now. I was always trained to put your best stuff in the back of the store. You don't want your best stuff being in the front of the store where a crash and grab becomes pretty easy. You want somebody to have to work because assuming you have the alarm, when the alarm goes off, people get there pretty quickly. Secondly, I don't know if I'd want to be in a store by myself. Even if I hired somebody at minimum wage or hired somebody just to work, to pay them in cards, I want a second person with me at all times. Two is better than one. And three, I have some friends in Jersey who own coin and card. And coins in the 80s were pretty expensive or gold and silver. Every one of them had a floorboard with a pedal they could push to call the, the silent alarm in case something came up. Unfortunately, it brings bad people in when they hear about easy money because you can't trace a box. If I went to your store and I walked out with a box I shouldn't be walking out with and I sold it the next day, how would you know that was your box? Yeah. Unless you marked it in some way before you put it on the counter. Yeah, put serial numbers uh, on the boxes. Would you put a serial number on every blaster box? Collector's Edge put a serial number on every card. It was yeah. Collector's Edge yeah. when they started, yep. And, and yeah, so I that's possible those. to number every single card. But the problem with a box is would you be numbering the actual box or the wrapping of it? Then, of course, they could just bust it and break it. But that would be a deterrent if the boxes yes. were serial numbered. And I would encourage that. 
And serial so, numbering the cards, not serial numbering, but just uniquely numbering. That to- technology exists. Burbank, no window exposure, large metal gate that seals off exit or entrance, gate slides across front doors. That's like the old New York City stuff. You see somebody closing their store with those bars, and it looks ugly, but it's a great security. Our mutual friend, Nick Redwine, when he owned Nick's, all with his beautiful wife, Debbie, they had a very user-friendly store. So much stuff was out for people to touch and take. Now, you want to create a friendly experience and be an open, inviting place. And at the same time, that's an interesting dichotomy. The problem is that when you go into a store, it's like, here's our good stuff. Our good stuff is right over here. And once you take a look at that, whereas if you went into Burbank, if you went into Rob and Ryan's uh, store there, you'd be overwhelmed. Although I do think they have some showcases in the last couple of years. But before, you'd walk into a warehouse. And are you going to operate the forklift? (laughs) <laughs> to figure out how to pull down something great. Retail stores that feature their best stuff and make it clear where the good stuff is, they maybe need to rethink that. There's also shows. Kyle and his team have gotten really good on security. They have cameras in the room. In fact, they threw every vendor out before the last show. They said, you've got to leave. We have to set up our security cameras. And it worked. But Kyle, to his credit, really has taken security very seriously. It, it looked like Kyle had a camera in the upper corners of the rooms, and they're monitoring all those feeds. There's some drones flying overhead, and I'm thinking, are they doing cameras too? So, you know, <laughs> yes, they are. Since that theft, I think Kyle, that's leadership in the industry for promoters. They need to get serious about it. It's premeditated and it's planned. So that's yeah. part of the brazenness. They think, I can get away with this. Now, here's how we're going to do it. So it's not a crime of passion where you're just driving down the road and think, hey, I think I'll rob a store. They're, they're planning it. They're casing the place. And they're knowing where to go. I think I'm safest if I'm walking around with a monster box. Because nobody's going to think there's great stuff in there. When you're walking around with these little cases that have valuable graded cards in there, your person is in jeopardy if you're at a show, I think. Yeah, we're going to see people with those cases, probably almost the government, handcuffed. There's a handcuff to the case and a handcuffed on their wrist. It's just where the, the nicer the case, the nicer the cards. Somebody with a case, I think two or three Dallas card shows ago, and they were advertising what they had in the case and what the prices were. That's like a gimme. Okay, I know how much this stuff is worth. Okay, let's just corner this person and this case is now gone. Yeah, we're telling... Uh, Facebook, you're going on vacation, leaving your house uh, empty for <laughs> a week. You just got to be smart. Yeah, never post that you're going on a trip and when and for how long you're going to be uh, gone. When you come back. Yeah. I think insurance generally is a good thing, but that doesn't mean everything has to be insured. What needs to be insured yeah. are the things that might get stolen. And so if yeah. you're a card store and you've got it's 20% of your stuff is where, where 80% of the value is, that you need to be insuring the best stuff that's more easily stolen. But if an insurance company comes in, hey, we'll insure the whole thing, nobody's going to steal the whole thing. Now, the whole thing could get flooded or have a fire, but your main concern or the million-dollar heist, that they didn't clean out the whole store. They went for a list of things. Those are the things that need to be insured and itemized for the insurance, and that can be done. John Keating said, you know, that 70s card show, he wants somebody to see, he's going to leave out his 88 Donruss monster box, make it easy, low-hanging fruit for the criminals. They're not <laughs> going to take that, so don't insure it. 
There are Tom Blavin rookies in there. Let's not slip <laughs> It'll be on his front doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> but another thing, too, uh, and, and great point, Dr. Jim, about itemizing uh, your stuff. You have this, another thing, take pictures of your stuff. Anyone can say they have a card. You have to prove. Like with my insurance, I can't say, oh, yeah, I had a $100,000 card that was taken in, in, in the burglary. You have to prove that you had it. So pictures in your home setting. And you should do that anyway, because if you have a lot of stuff, you won't be able to remember uh, everything you have. And having photos of at least your better stuff and will make that process a lot smoother than to try to uh, remember. A great card, even if it's, let's say, let's just throw out a random example of 49 Leaf Jackie Robinson BVG4. There's an established value for that card. And the insurance company will accept that value, especially if you've got proof at the condition. The condition, if it's graded, yes, you could take a low-res photo of a graded card, enough that you could see, hey, it's PSA or BGS or SGC, here's the grade, and you could see that from the slab with a low-res photo. But John, if you don't have a pretty high-res photo of a raw yep. card, it's really hard, unless it's very high-res, to tell whether it's even legit, that it's not counterfeit. If it's, True. And that's why some of these services are popping up that are going to help you take better photos or vaults and things like that, because... Yeah, it's, and a point in the grading column for why for those that sort of don't like grading, why it still is important, especially uh, on some levels, whether you grade or not. When you have an item like that, can the average collector report it? That's why I like the fractional space because it's a deterrent that instead of people saying, I want a piece of that puck and to chop it up, they can say, I want a share of it, which is if yeah. a fractional group owns it, they could fractionalize it out where you could own some yeah. shares. To me, that yep. would preserve the integrity of the I iconic item that is yep. museum quality. shouldn't be chipped oh, yeah. up. Yeah. But, um, but you're never going to get to hold that item if you buy a fraction of it as fractional ownership. Like, theoretically, you could say to the company holding it, hey, I'd like to come see it. <laughs> uh, the reality is you're probably never going to have it in your hands. Yeah. November 4th, Josh Luber, new head of Fanatics, did, I don't know how many pages it was. It was trading cards are cool again. Said he took him a couple months uh, to write it. When I saw the title of it, I'm not going to lie, I'm a very honest person, it made me mad. Because to me, and I think everyone in this room, trading cards have always been cool. Not again, they've always been cool. So I didn't read it initially because I was a little peed by the title. And then I said, John, if you're going to do content creation and comment on stuff, you probably should do the due diligence and read it. And I did read it. And a lot of what's in there, I agree with. Not everything across the board. And one of the things, uh, besides the title, that I don't agree with, he was saying because we have a lot of the new hobbyists have coming in. I think he alluded to people that are in their 20s that they're less inclined to leave the hobby. And I disagree with that. I think it's easier for someone in their 20s if the hobby's not going the way they wanted to just sell. We see that with, with people who do sneakers. When he did that, no, rather quickly, I think... I think it's easy. If you get in the hobby as a kid, as I did, and, and many of us did, for me as a seven-year-old, I think you're more apt to probably stay in it for the long haul. I could be wrong. That's just an opinion. Then if you get in later, I think it's easier to get out. But I, So I disagree with that. A couple things about Josh. I don't know him really at all, but I know a couple things. One, he's walked around many of the Dallas card shows very quietly as a collector. And he's not there like you, like Jim, like you were when you walked around the show. He's not being flashy. He's walking around 
absorbing, getting the information. And I was shocked to find out from our event manager at ComC, our, our trade show event manager, he's got an account at ComC and he buys and sells. And it's not all the high price stuff. He buys and sells very actively on ComC. He has many of the true collecting background to him. And having somebody with true collecting background in that position is probably a net positive. You may not agree with everything he says, but it's a net positive. Okay, let me get into the political fray. In my lifetime, the most polarizing American politician has been Donald Trump. Love him or hate him with a passion, either way. But the word that he chose in his MAGA that really set people off is, to your point, John, it's the word again. Who is yeah. against making America great? But when you say make America great again, that implies that it used that to it be wasn't. great. And it used to be great, perhaps, for everybody. And that's what you're saying, and I agree with you, that cards were always cool for us, but they probably weren't cool for everybody. But by putting again in there, that's an emotionally charged word. If Josh just says trading cards are cool, forget about the again. They're cool. Yeah. Another way to say that is that if, if Trump was to say, we're going to make America great for even more people, and if Josh was saying trading cards are going to be cool for even more people, that we're going to expand. No one's against that, but they weren't always cool for everybody. We no, want more right. people to get into it. To me, it's a really good way to understand your markets. And that's why I'm glad he did that. Flip it around. We need to understand what he's thinking. This is a guy that either is or will be one of the most powerful people in our industry. So yeah. what he's thinking, to be aware of that, is a gift to us. Because he's yeah. going to have the power to make some changes. If we bring people in and they have a positive experience, they're going to tell their friends. That's that's what all of us are about. The man in the house of cards.